Welcome back to the Act 2 Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I am Taj Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. And I am Dave Levinson. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. We brought in Dave for an important this week in writing. It's a topic that we're all very that Josh and I are very passionate about, and Tasha is meh about. Meh. All right. All right. Well, can I do my intro first before we get into it? Yes. <laughs> As a reminder, Act Two is a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. We love your joining us here. You can also DM us at actuwriters at gmail.com or on Instagram and Twitter. I'm also there. Story Thursday on Instagram, Tasha 3.0 on Twitter. I'm Joshua Hallman on Twitter, Josh Hallman on Instagram. Dave, are you on social media still? Yes, I'm never, ever, ever prepared for this, but it's, uh, I'm on Twitter at D underscore Lev, L-E-V, two, four. There we go. All right. Should we get into this week in writing? This week in writing. This week in writing. This, this all happened because I watched the movie, The Holdovers, and I then... Just casually picked up my phone to message both of you and said, hey, have you seen The Holdovers? And Tasha didn't feel as strongly about it as Dave or I did. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But I saw The Holdovers, and this is why I wanted to bring this up on This Week in Writing. Okay. Dave's probably going to love this. And this this is is why I'm here, because... This is I I, I, I needed to respond to Tasha's feelings, but I felt like I needed to do so in a public setting. Yeah, we're like, do you want to come on the podcast? For the, do you want to come on for for this week in writing? And he was like, I'm coming on. So I watched it and I really, really liked it. And I have a feeling this movie is going to grow on me actually over time. But something that I really loved about it is it had that old school movie feel to it. And I can't even believe I'm saying this. And it didn't end needing a sequel. It was just this standalone piece of art that just felt very confident its entire way through. And I was watching it and when it got done, I was like, that was just a beautiful, maybe a little long, but beautiful ride that I was on. And I can't believe I'm saying it, but I just loved this like standalone movie and I missed it. I didn't know it was like this part of my soul that needed something that didn't have like a sequel attached to it, even though I you know, prefer studio movies with sequels. But that's not to say, that's how I felt watching the holdovers. And I thought the performances were great. I thought the writing was great. And I really loved this movie. I could not concur more. I it's I as I told you guys, I've seen it twice and it was it's so far my favorite movie of twenty twenty three. I haven't seen them all yet. But wow. Josh, to to speak to your point, when when it came out, of all the movies that were out at that point, it was the most I was the most excited to see the holdovers because just from the trailer i could tell that it was an old school movie that you wow. know it was that it was going to feel like the kinds of movies that they used to make that we don't really see anymore and certainly not in theaters anymore mm-hmm. so true. i was super excited to see it and i went and i saw it in the theater and i just absolutely loved it i i it made me laugh it made me cry multiple times it's a feel good movie wow. that uh you know, it's it's feel good with, but it's also very sad. Um, but it ends on a feel good note, and 
Joanna did not come to see it with me, so we watched it again just last week, actually, at home, and I loved it even more the second time. To speak to speak to your, well, I feel like my li- literally my only note on it is especially the first time that I saw it. I thought that the first half was maybe a little bit slow, but then there's a point in the movie where I don't. I mean, this isn't a spoiler. I don't think where the other boys leave. And from that point forward, the movie just sails for me. Uh, all right, Tasha, what did you think? Like, I I finished the movie. It's like, okay, I liked it. Like, it's definitely nowhere near my top favorite. I'm not excited about it. It was wow. fine. Like, it felt to, like I love Alexander Payne, or at least I loved Sideways. And I appreciate everything you guys just said. But it felt like overacted to me. And it felt like I was watching a movie. It felt like I was watching a movie trying to be a good movie. It didn't feel like I was never at any point invested in the movie. And wildly succeeding? Wildly succeeding <laughs> at being a movie about being a good movie? No, at being a good movie. You said it felt like a movie trying to be a good movie. And I'm just adding and wildly succeeding. Yeah. I mean, wildly succeeding for you guys, for sure. For me, it was like, eh. It's fine. It's a solid story, I guess. Listen, I I will say I did wonder if I was like, was is this just Paul Giamatti from Sideways, just in a different role, like being the Sideways guy? I love Paul Giamatti. I think he's an amazing actor. It did cross my mind. I'm not going to lie, and I did feel like some parts were long. However, I love the fact that it felt like a movie, just the beginning. And I love what Dave said. Like I miss just being able to have these little movies in theaters to just go like just there's so many different kinds of movies and one of them are these Alexander Payne type movies and that's okay and that's fun and you just go see it on a Wednesday or whatever. I I miss that and I'm glad that this has come out and has done so well and hopefully more of these will 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 come. There we go. All right, well, should we move on from this one? <laughs> Do you feel like you got everything <laughs> off your chest? I feel like I have a little more that I'm going to say for our Oscar episode, but that that's the that's the bulk of it. I feel good about it. Okay. I feel like I'm being judged and I'm afraid to go on to my next one. Do it. No, come on. There's zero judgment on the Act 2 podcast, <laughs> at least outwardly. <laughs> As I sit here stewing. <laughs> Dave is so angry at me. <laughs> Um, okay, so my next this week in writing is about a pitch that I had this week. And I talked about the sort of pre-meeting I had to this pitch on the last episode where they were talking about making sure you lean into character. Character, 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 thin out the plot. This is what our boss wants to hear. And so I did that. I was like, okay, like you guys know what you're talking about because you've heard a ton of pitches and your boss has heard a ton of pitches and you know what her her likes are. And by the way, my plot was already fairly thin. <laughs> so like I, I thinned it out more, said less about what's happening and, and added pages worth of character stuff. At the end of my pitch, everyone was like, your character stuff is so good. It's so, so amazing. But your plot is really thin. Oh. And I was like, oh God. <laughs> So the boss lady who I I changed everything for has said this to me. And I was like, okay, well, and I sort of waited for the executives who are her, you know, her 
her executives to like chime in and be like, oh, this is kind of what we directed her towards. But we heard her pitch pitch previously and we know she has good plot. They didn't chime in. <laughs> they were silent. Oh, and no. so I was like, okay, well, and I tried to remember like the plot stuff that I had in my pitch earlier. And I tried to like kind of say, well, yeah, I didn't pitch to that stuff because I wanted to lean more into character. And, you know, I'm running Tomb Raider and Mighty Nine. And these are both big adventure shows. So like, trust me, I can do it. But here's like the stuff that I would put in. And I kind of like tried to plug in stuff that I could remember plot wise that was in my previous pitch. And they were like, okay, right. Like they were like kind of satisfied by that. But then they were like, I think we want you to come back in and just p pitch the plot. Oh, and I was like, no. And the reason I was like, no, is because now like there's going to be such a microscope on your plot, which you don't have a good plot for your pitches. Usually it's like right. really basic plot stuff because especially this is an adventure show that I was pitching. Like there's clues along the way. There's traps along the way. Like I'm not going to figure all that out in a week or whatever that you want me to come back. So it was an interesting lesson that I have learned before, which is why I got very sort of upset with myself. If you remember the story I've told about how I went in and pitched something and, and it was between me and one other guy and the producer told me at that time, we only want a, a character revision. We don't want you to redo the structure or anything like that. We just want a character revision. We love the structure. And I came in and pitched just a character revision and they went with the guy who changed the structure. So I yeah. learned that lesson years ago. And I didn't learn it again. And I was kind of mad at myself. Like I should have just went with my gut and been like, no, they need some of this plot to understand what the stakes were. But that was the big question at the end was like, well, when you thin out the plot, we don't know what the stakes of, of the show is. And we also don't know what, like, what are the key set pieces that are going to be exciting to people? So all that stuff had been taken out. And it's just, it was a good lesson to listen to producers in some way when they're preparing you this way, but also listen to your gut. And uh, hopefully I'll learn that lesson this time. Did you have a conversation with the execs afterwards where you were like, what the fuck? No, but my agents did. Good. And I think my agents may have been able to get me out of this whole plot uh, pitch, extra wow. pitch that I have to do by kind of saying like, look, Taja's done Tomb Raider. Like she knows how to do an adventure show. Don't worry about that. Like she wanted to nail the character stuff for you. And by the way, your execs told her to do that. So hopefully... That's when agents come in handy for stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Oh, yeah, Team Tasha. Yeah. Watch tomorrow. You get a call. It's like, you're going back in on plot. <laughs> <laughs> now they want they want extra plot. Yeah. Dave, do you have a This Week in Writing that you're hiding? I think the, only, the one thing that's been on my mind the last couple of days has, is the waiting that you have to do in this business and as a writer. So like at the end of last year and the start of this year, I feel like I had like multiple things going out the door to people that I was feeling really good about. And I'm still feeling really good about because it was a start of the year. I was extremely like positive about it. And, you know, like, hell yeah, like 2024 is going to kick ass. Like I've got, you know, all these irons in the fire. It's a good way to start the year. And like, because they all went out the door at the same time, it's now, I'm now just like mired in this period of waiting to hear back from people. And mm -hmm. which is a totally normal thing in this business, but it's just like the last couple of weeks have been a good reminder on like the mental gymnastics that you have to do sometime, sometimes when you're just playing the waiting game. Oh, it's the worst. So what do you do when you're in that position where like, obviously you have no control because it's out to like actors, right? Or directors. And so there's nothing you can do in that situation. Are you like really digging into your own writing? Or are you just like, mentally fried how do you handle it 
kind of somewhere in between. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm basically not actively writing anything at the moment because I'm just waiting and, uh, being uh, on dad duty and everything with a 10 month old at home. So I'm like sort of noodling on new ideas and stuff, but like I do, that's part of where the, uh, the stress and the tension comes from is feeling like I'm being unproductive because I'm essentially just waiting on, on these multiple things and I'm not, and while I'm noodling on new ideas, but I'm not sitting with final draft open and, and working on the script. That's still working. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is still working. And that's like, that's the mental gymnastics. Yeah. That you have to do to, to yeah. get there. And then it's like what, you know, what the saying is what, like that it's a hurry up and wait, but it's like whenever, you know, things will happen like, and it all happens at once. And then it's like, go, go, go. And there's all this momentum. But it's like the it's the 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 low times that is uh that is that's tough to deal with sometimes. No, oh, it's hard. That's like like one of the hardest things is that the mental aspect of of the waiting and just stuff in the industry. All that's it's just difficult. That's a good well, totally. this week in writing. That's yeah. a great this week in writing. I'm almost reluctant to follow up, but I'm gonna do it anyway. There's a pilot that my wife and I wrote that I've talked about before. I got notes from you guys on it, and basically just things have come up, and there's been a very delayed time of diving back into this pilot but recently we dove back in i was kind of looking over at uh, looking at notes and i was just trying to sit down and write and it just wasn't happening and so i took some time off and for some reason with this with this particular project the ideas come to me and like solutions to the the pilot come at the most random times like i'll be sitting around watching something or like on my computer doing something completely different. And I'll be like, oh, I think that's the solve for this. And it like, or I'll like read the notes you guys gave me. And, and the reason I'm bringing this up is it was just a reminder of how kind of going off like what, what Dave was saying, like how crazy the industry is, but just the process of writing in itself, when you're just kind of writing a spec or whatever it is, and you're not on a deadline, you're, the way that ideas come to you are so weird and there's no one right way to do something. You can't just sit down and just like drill through something if you have other things you need to do. And, and, and I was just bringing it up just in case, you know, cause there's always this debate of like how to write something. How do you write? What do you do? And it's just, it was, I was like, there is no one way to do this. No, nope. that's it. That's a great one. Yeah. Well, let's see it. Tasha, what are you bringing? Okay. My last one is, on one of my shows, we had an episode that we like just saw back. Like they they did like the rough boards a bit. And this was a problem episode. It always has been ever since we were writing it and breaking it in the room. It's always an episode that we're like, can't quite figure out how these rules work in this thing. And this is sort of a cheat. You know, like you have that feeling, like you know you cheated, like mm -hmm. you patched it with a Band-Aid, but like hopefully no one will notice. That happened like a couple times in this episode. And we sort of couldn't, by the time we had to turn it in and get it into production, we hadn't figured out a really good solve for it yet. And we had to move on to other episodes. And so this comes back and all the problems from the script still exist. <laughs> now we had talked to them, walked through, like walked production through the episode and been like, okay, like we're sort of vague on this, but we hope that you'll be able to fix it. And they're like, okay, yeah, we'll put our heads together. We'll try and fix it. They couldn't fix it either because guess what? The script was broken. And what was interesting, what was very sad to me <laughs> is that last night after we sort of had our meeting about the, gave notes about this, this rough, rough boards we saw, 
I went back through the script and I realized all the, the parts where I noted them, I was like, this is dumb. Like, why'd you do that? Or why'd you make this choice? I was like, oh, they literally just did what was in the script. Like almost literally like word for word, they just translated it. And I was like, oh, I'm the stupid one. And I think the lesson is, and this is something my manager tells me all the time, is that if there are problems in the script, there will be problems at every step of the way. Like you really do have to fix the script first. You can't just hope that a band-aid's gonna fix something. If you're bumping on something now, you, they will bump on it when they try to make it. Mm -hmm. So fix it now. And I couldn't get away with it. So wow. that's all. That was my another great. That's a good one too. It. Yeah. So often we're like, oh, I'll figure this out later, and then you just kind of ignore this bump. Yeah, you know, it's fine. It's, because there's all because up. like there's always there's so many stages where there's always like the next stage, and it's like here's this Band-Aid will, you know, bandage this over mm -hmm. so that it's presentable for this stage and I'll just fix it at the next stage. But at a certain stage, there, there are no more stages. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 it's an important thing to keep in mind. Yeah. You, can't, you can't kick the, the can down the road for eternity. Yeah. That's it. That's well, our This Week in Writing. I think that was pretty solid. Thank you for joining yeah. us. Thank you for coming Thank you on. for having me. This was a very random guest appearance that came this together is, in the last couple hours this is awesome this is like a hangout yeah. when the, the, you're like ah, i was just here for one drink i gotta bounce yeah, <laughs> yeah. you guys uh you guys have a good rest of your night <laughs> you too, all right hey we're still okay. going we're doing main it. topic the main, main topic. topic today comes from a listener who emailed us right josh about Correct. cutting pages from your script and it was such a good question, and it had a lot of follow-up questions, which we'll also get into because this person was right that the more you cut, the more problems seem to arise as a writer, at least in terms of like how you view your script and how it's being portrayed and all the things that you loved about it seem to suddenly get lost in all this cutting. So um, we're going to talk about how do you cut pages from your script once it's done. So let's say you turn it in, your producer or your manager says, this is great. Can you cut 10 pages? I was sort of, I think that was a number that the listener threw out. And I think that's a great number. That's often what it is. It's like you have to cut about 10 pages, five to 10 pages. So first off, why would this come up? Josh, when does it come up for you to cut pages? First of all, I would also like to say how passionate you were about this topic. And it got me excited. The fact that you got excited. I got real excited. Cutting pages? God, this almost gives me like nightmares because I've been told to cut pages so many times. Just yeah. like even presenting drafts of it's, it's, well, I, in my, in my world with like specs or so, like if you're taking something out a lot, I mean, I've been told and I know this is not right, but if I'm, you just can't turn in a 140 page script like you just you just can't do it right so at any stage you're asked to you i've i've turned things in that were like it was like a hundred like 12 pages someone's like can you cut like eight pages out of this it's like i'm like why it's just it's so it's just it's a better more fluid read and it's not as daunting or something like i've heard every single yeah. excuse about cutting pages sure ever yeah also i was about to go on a rant but yes please go I mean, that's what this is for. This is like, this is the writer's <laughs> biggest pet peeve is when you're told to cut fucking pages and you're like, why? This is the script that I would like to present to the world. It's like you bake a cake and you go to present it to, I don't know, your 
husband because it's his birthday and he's like, this is great, but it's like five layers too thick. Can you somehow cut this cake down? You're like, but I've already decorated it. Like that's kind of how it feels. So, but it does come up. It comes up when you're sending out a spec because everyone is afraid that people will see how many pages it is and be like, I don't want to read that versus saying, oh, it's 90 pages. Oh, easy. This is an exciting read. I can do that. (laughs) Um, Which... I have been guilty of. I definitely will look at a um, at the page count and be like, oof. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> we all do it. Oh, how many? Um, oh, cool. This is 106 pages. Yeah, that sounds like a good quick read. 90 pages, even better. Like, it's yeah. unbelievable how mentally you, you go into something. That's the first thing you look at. How many pages is yeah, this? It's true. <sighs> so this is why producers often ask you to cut pages so that we don't hit that problem of, ugh, I don't want to read this right from the get-go before even starting your script. Um, and then you get the creative reason, which is it feels like there's a lot of fat in this script. Yeah. Can you trim it down so that it just it reads better or when we produce it, it the scenes are moving faster? Um, certainly for animation when, you know, I'm sending in scripts, it's, hey, like, this is a 22-minute show and if we produced this script, it would end up being 26 minutes. Can you find four minutes to cut? Which... Whew, when you're already at like 20 some pages having to do an episode, it's tough, especially coming from features and, and six, 60 minute dramas. So I have a lot of experience in this and the pain of it. So I got really excited, Yeah. <laughs> especially when, when someone, someone asked like, what are their like practical tips to cutting your script down? Like, okay, I have to do it. I've gotten over the mental hurdles and accepted that I have to do it now, but how, how do I actually do it? And I would say, there's unfortunately no real like fast tip or trick that I use, but I'm going to walk you through what I do. <laughs> and I Josh, know. Please chime in as, as I go. If you have, if you have tips as, as we go, I have some thoughts that we can go yeah. along with. And, but I just want to say, you know, more times than not, at least I find probably seven, 70% of the times when you cut things out, it hurts, but it, you like, you forget that even existed. You're like, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like rarely do I feel like I'm like, I can't believe that scene is gone. Yeah. Yes. Small story about that. I um, am a perfectionist and Mm -hmm. a friend of mine was telling me how uh, he was writing with a partner and he, you know, would write, let's see, he he wrote a scene and then he'd send it to his partner and his partner would rewrite it and send it back. And the partner would not like put, Hey, I took this out or whatever. Um, He would just send it back edited. And so this person would open up the old file and go through it line by line to see what was taken out. And we had a conversation about this because I used to be like that. And then I realized I didn't have time to constantly be doing that. And so I just, I, I now, when I read something and someone has taken stuff out, like if I'm co-writing with someone and it reads fine, if I don't notice what's gone, that means it's better. That means mm-hmm. I was hanging on to something that I didn't need to hang on to. And that person who didn't care about my babies brutally killed them. And that seems to work. So there's something to that. And that is actually one of the steps that I recommend down the line. But when I'm first starting, someone says cut 10 pages. The first thing I do, I start at page one and I read it. Like really, really read it. I'm not skimming. Even if I've read this thing a hundred times, which I definitely have, I am now reading every single word and every single line. And I would say my first line of defense when I have to cut things is what action description can be shorter. Mm-hmm. And this becomes extremely surgical, but it can save you a lot of space. So I, I, I literally have my thesaurus always open on my computer. And if I have a line of action description that maybe has a few words that 
that carry over on the second line, I would challenge you to make that one line. And I believe in you because 95% of the time you can find a way to trim that down so that that action description is one line. Definitely if you have orphans and widows, do not just read past those without fixing them. Find a way to make that one line instead of one with one word hanging off at the end. And so I'll do an entire pass just just looking at action description and, and nothing else. Yeah. I I will say I, I do the exact same thing. That was one of my, my thoughts as well. But I do love when I see scripts that have been made that have the orphan word. And it just, it, part of me, like, it just brings me so much joy because I'm like, damn, this was just so confident of this person. To just have- <laughs> <laughs> the secret is that person was so... <laughs> anxiety riddled that that little (laughs) that he couldn't figure out how to fix that line (laughs) (laughs) next step i start to get into scene work where i am taking one scene at a time reading them very closely going from scene one and i say okay what are the essentials in this scene meaning what is the purpose of this scene now let's say the purpose of scene one is to show that your hero is funny I guarantee you that your first version of this scene probably has three or more ways that your character has shown that she is funny Mm -hmm. because we are writers and we love to hear ourselves talk and we think so many of our ideas are genius and we can see all of our ideas playing out in a movie. But those three ways the hero is funny, sure, they're fucking funny. That's an objective fact. But that doesn't mean that all three of those ways should be in the movie. If you are at the stage where you need to cut shit, then they do not all need to be in the movie. And I will say something, when you get into the editing room, you will find actually that you can show way more with less than you think. And I think that's incredible about the process of filmmaking. So look at your scene, again, really read it, feel it, imagine it playing out in a movie theater or on your TV, and then bring that scene down to its absolute essentials. Sure, you wanna show your hero is funny. Can you condense the things that you've done to show the audience that your hero is funny? Maybe they don't go to a coffee shop and then the bus and then the barber shop. Maybe they're just in the coffee shop. Now, to me, what something I love about this part of the process, the kind of scene work part, the condensing part, is even though it feels painful to have to cut the bus scene because it was so good and the barber shop scene, which was so fucking funny, what I love about it is you 1000% become a better writer by rewriting yourself and cutting yourself down. And that's super cool because you start to realize, well, fuck, I have to cut this like funny scene down. Okay. It's two pages right now. It should really be one. So this is a scene I've, I've figured out. I can trim down, but I love everything that's here. What do I cut now? Now is your time to shine as a writer because now you become a problem solver and that's become very fun for me as a writer as painful as it is so you may start to find okay one way this hero is funny is this way and it wasn't even in my original scene but it works so much better if i maybe like think of it as as a oneer like maybe i don't need three original beats that this person has done i can combine all three into one cleaner idea and that makes you a problem solver writer and i think It's really good to be a problem solver writer because they are very hard to find because it's very hard to do well because we are writers and we get attached so much to what we put on a page that we become very stubborn when someone asks us to change it or fix it or combine things. Um, But I think you have to divorce your feelings from the scene and start to think like a director or an editor or an audience member when you're doing 
this scene work pass because then you'll start to think, okay, what is the cleanest, simplest way for me to get the point of this scene across? And then how can I think really creatively about doing that so that you get to still be a writer in there, right? Um, because sometimes I think cutting pages, it's not just trimming action description or cutting lines of dialogue. A lot of the time, cutting pages, especially when you're doing pages worth of cutting, means that you're thinking creatively about how to make the objective of your scene more succinct. So do that in every scene. Just rinse and repeat that, basically. Yeah, that's great. So far, I'm in complete lockstep with you in terms of like the approach. It's always the, it's, yeah. the action description. Then it's, can I condense these scenes? What is this scene doing to this one? How is it, why, why is this working? And um, the comedy example is perfect because I think a lot of times people like to hold on to a moment because it's like, oh my God, this was so funny. This, the, these people were all together in this room and they were in this garage and I want them to be here because then the dad walked in or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. But if you can challenge yourself and be like, okay, how can I make this as funny in here? Or that is like the, the puzzle that is so beautiful when you figure it out. I agree. And I always feel like, and I don't know if you're better at it than me. I always feel like my first pass at doing that, I'm like, oh, I cut so much. I'm so good. And then I get to the end and I'm like, two pages? I only cut two pages. <laughs> so I have to go back and I have to do it all over again. I have to be harder on myself. But definitely, like as you said, Josh, I think one of the first things to go when you're cutting pages is always the jokes. And this is because jokes are great and they're super fun and they make you love your characters but they can be, they don't actually progress the story or character forward. Mm -hmm. I think jokes exhibit character. It may comment on the story, but for the most part, jokes do not progress your story forward. And it hurts. Trust yeah. me, I know. But that's why those tend to get cut is because your scene can remain the same without the jokes. Nothing changes. It's just less funny. So when people watch Tomb Raider, just know that it was a lot funnier <laughs> in my first drafts. <laughs> But jokes had to be cut, guys. <laughs> there was a joke there. There was a joke there. <laughs> but the, the listener who wrote us in, he was talking specifically about a sci-fi comedy that they're writing. And so uh, that gets tough, right? Because you, you, can't, you can't get rid of a jokes at a comedy. So my advice here is, and, and whether it's, it's in a comedy or it's not, but if you have jokes in a scene, my advice would be to keep the essential joke for as long as you can. So you're doing these passes, you're cutting two pages the first time, maybe the next time you get another two pages. But as you go, like leave what you think is the essential joke in there for as long as you possibly can, because it may still survive. Don't yeah. just go for the jokes right away. But you can cut the jokes that are just kind of fun. The ones that you hate to lose, they're great character moments, sure, but Cut those ones and keep the bare essential joke that you feel like you absolutely cannot live without. And again, you may end up cutting it in a later pass. Um, but also, you know, characters get revealed through jokes sometimes. That's yeah. There are characters who literally handle pain and the trauma in their life by making a joke. So it's not like you can cut that down. However, can you be clever and how you bring it down to its essentials, right? Are you using three lines for this joke when you could use one and maybe one and, uh, and an action, like yeah. a, a look that they have or something that they throw across the room or something. I think another thing to look at if you're cutting jokes and jokes are essential to your character is can you make that character funny or give them a moment in a different way than you originally conceived? For example, let's say your Paul Rudd character has a killer joke, 
but it is making the scene way too long. And at the end of the day, <laughs> Paul Rudd's joke does not need to be in the movie. But at the same time, if Paul Rudd's joke isn't in the movie, then this scene feels boring. It's just doing plot stuff. It's not fun. Well, okay. Then can Paul Rudd be doing something else in this scene that is fun, that doesn't take up screen time or page time? Can he be stuffing his mouth with baby carrots in the background <laughs> instead of like slinging jokes? Like that still can go with his character and it can still show character, but it's not taking up screen time and page time. And I think the point of that example is that sometimes showing and not telling can be your secret in solving how to cut pages while still maintaining the spirit of your scene and also the stuff that you love about the characters within that scene. So do another pass thinking about that version. Yep. Here, here. I love it. Jokes. Jokes. I mean, you write a lot of action comedies, so I'm sure when it's time to cut, you're heading for the jokes right away. Yeah, I guess. How do you maintain comedy while also cutting jokes? Oh, well, this is a big hang up. This is a big problem. There's a lot of things that I've written have been very uh, reactionary to situations. And I think sometimes I have found that a lot of my characters, it's either character stuff where it's like, oh, this father and daughter are arguing about something that happened to them 20 years ago and it's like relatable character stuff or it's reaction to, and I'm not saying I do this, but like there's a bomb and then like, you know, like, I don't know, like there's a timed release and something explodes and then, then like the parent, the characters freak out or something that, mm -hmm. that's, that's not, a, that's not a joke. So I would that's do, where the comedy comes from is their reaction to the bomb. Yeah. I think, I think so for better or worse. And a lot of times I end up just cutting stuff like that and then it almost turns the script not, funny but yeah the joke stuff is 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 really difficult to where it's like it's it's easy to cut but you also want to maintain because it's you know with comedy and action comedies it maintains a certain tone and and like it without some jokes sometimes it completely shifts what the tone of your script is i w i will say something that i have found that I, I used to be really precious with my description with action because like I'd be like, oh my God, this half page fight scene is incredible and people need to know that. And then now like I've realized that half page fight scene could be like two lines and right. like the exact same thing kind of kills me to even yeah. say that, but um, it's the truth. So I think trimming pages and I, I wonder if this is the same with like horror films when you're trying to draw out suspense, if yeah. it's almost like you can really trim a lot within description. Yeah. I reread a fight scene I wrote recently and the fight takes place over the course of like several couple minutes, I guess, in the like what would be movie time. But in the script, I just wrote something like their fight is defined by fighting over thin ice and avoiding falling in. Like that was it. So when it gets to a director stage, if it ever does, like the director knows, okay, that fight that's happening when we cut to it, like I can do whatever I want, but it's it's that's the set piece and that's what the action and choreography is going to be around is they're on thin ice trying to avoid falling into the water and it was just a line but it could have been i could have like whenever i cut to it in my head i could have wrote that description but i i trimmed it down to one line and stuff like that can be super cheaty and helpful what's so funny about that is i just wrote a scene in a boat on choppy water where two people were fighting and i said something to the extent of they're fighting in the boat on choppy water trying to avoid falling in 
something like that where I was like, ah, this is great. That just yeah. saved me. Yeah. You get it. Go. You, get, you know exactly <laughs> yeah, you what's happening. You don't have to write every single beat. Yeah. No. Okay. Let's say you've done all of this and you're still like five pages over. I hate this feeling. It's terrible. Mm. But this is usually when I start to call for backup. Now, um, on my shows, that means it's going to my fellow producers or it's going to writer's group and it's being like, guys, I don't want, I don't want notes. I want you to take a red pen and I want you to go through this and just cut shit. This is what this is. It's a cutting phase. And that's so helpful to me because it's helpful to know what someone else thinks can be cut. Now, it doesn't mean you take all of their cuts. It's like they're all suggestions, just like anything else. It's just like taking notes, right? You're the creator of this world and these characters. You know better than anyone what can and cannot go. But having this outside eye who has like such a better sense of when they get bored or what line's not playing, like they'll mm -hmm. know those things and they'll be like, eh, you don't need that. You're like, but that was like the most beautiful line in the whole thing. Well, if that's the case, then maybe the stuff around it can get trimmed so that that moves up as like the focal point of that scene. That's all. That's a good note, actually. So I find when you feel you are at the end of the line, you couldn't possibly cut a single word from this masterpiece that you have. Giving it to someone else who does not view this as a masterpiece yeah. <laughs> will be really eye-opening for you in a really great way. And I think if you take those notes in and you really digest those pen marks of marking things as you don't need them, you actually may realize that they're right, that one scene could probably be half a page shorter and get to the point a lot faster and then be a better scene for it. Because we've all watched movies where Josh said today, like Holdover was a little slow. It's a great movie, but it's a little slow. It maybe could have benefited from some trimming in some places, right? I could trim it. I could trim that movie right now by 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm sure Alexander Payne. Josh's release. <laughs> Yeah. Josh Holland's cut of yeah. Holdovers. Sorry, Payne. Let me show you how this should have been done. <laughs> um, yes. And so something that I've come to terms with, I'm not like great at it and I don't, I have not perfected this, but something I understand is that a scene whose pace is constantly propulsive is a better scene. And the more you trim your scene to its essentials, the more propulsive it feels. And that's not just for action movies. Like I just watched, I, I've not seen the movie Maestro, but I watched a clip from it recently where Bradley Cooper, have you seen this movie, Josh? I have not. Okay. Well, I don't know if you've seen this clip floating around, but it's a great scene where Bradley Cooper walks into a room, Carrie Mulligan is already there and they have a fight. Mm. And the camera does not move. It's static. It doesn't move once. The scene, but the scene is incredibly propulsive. There's no fat in the scene. Every word of every line matters. So I don't mean like it's propulsive and that it has like constant adrenaline, but it's always forward moving. And there's there's no sense of, eh, we're just kind of hmm, just kind of in this moment and nothing's happening. Or yeah. that's that's a word. I. I don't know if you do this, Josh, but I watch movies and I a biggest pet peeve is when I hear a line that could be cut. Like, you didn't need to say that. Mm. Or this scene should have ended two lines ago and like this joke that you kept would have made it a much stronger scene if you cut that. Like that really bothers me and I'm like actively editing the script yeah. as I'm writing things sometimes. Yeah. I think about that all the time of things where like you could we could have cut this out. We could have, and I can't figure out if we're getting better at doing this or if our attention spans are getting shorter or both both probably it's very frustrating yeah moving on <laughs> <Just> got <laughs> sad for a second <laughs> um, 
one of the questions that came up when um, our listener emailed us, again, thank you very much for this topic. It got me very excited, was, hey, I get worried that I end up cutting so much that I lose nuance from my story and it just becomes plot. Again, this this writer uh, specifically was mentioning sci-fi comedy. So if you cut jokes, right, like Josh said, it's no longer comedy. And I get that. But besides sort of everything I've already said, which still applies to a comedy script, I think above all, nuance should never get lost, even when you're cutting. Nuance comes from how a character says something to another character. Nuance comes from how a character walks across the room, picks up a cigarette, then puts it back down. And then the fight of the scene continues until maybe the character picks up the cigarette again at the end of the scene and just like takes a huge drag. Like that's a character, that's character stuff, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That could have maybe come out in dialogue in your first version of that. So I think nuance is best when it is bare and when it is small and when it is pointed and when it does not take up a lot of extra space in your scene. In fact, I think like in a scene where two characters are arguing, one keeps picking up a cigarette, then putting it back down. And his arc in the scene is just to like light the fucking thing and take a drag. That to me is kind of more interesting and more telling about that character than a lot of the stuff the character is even probably saying out of his mouth which means you can cut a lot of that shit out of the dialogue and get 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 it to its basics. So that's a, a way of thinking of, of how to add nuance to your scene without losing um, the fun stuff you're talking about that, that makes it your story, right? I, I think the nuance is such a great point to bring up. It is a lot of times you can cut that out of scripts when you're trying to trim. And I think sometimes it's so easy to lose nuance. And yeah. it's very scary because... Once you trim it out, it's really hard to go back. I think for me at least, because I'm like, wait a minute, what did I just trim? Then you're kind of looking at old drafts and like scenes and like how why is the scene suddenly different? The 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 nuance is the the scariest part of trimming for me, actually, is like, uh oh, am I am I trimming out something or am I trimming out nuance? Like I, I don't know. Right. And it, it's it's a it's a very that's like the argument against trimming, I think, where when people get really defensive, it's like, no, no, no. This person needs a cigarette. I have to, but you're like, but they only take one drag of it. Why do they need a cigarette? They should take multiple, you know, like, anyway, the the nuance part is scary. It's tricky. And I think what's fun about it, but also what's hard about it is that that's where like the revising part to cutting pages comes in because cutting pages isn't just trimming. I think Mm -hmm. cutting pages also has to be rewriting and combining things right because if like you find that cutting half a page from the scene takes up the nuance then i maybe have to rethink how this scene how we enter this scene or the setting that they're in or how they're how the blocking is in the scene or maybe even slightly what they're even talking about so that the nuance that i intended for it that now has to get cut can still come in um, and that's, again, where the, the creative part of the job comes from and, and why cutting pages, people say, just, just cut 10 pages. It's not like I take scissors mm-hmm. and just trim <laughs> things. It's re- You're rewriting pretty extensively yeah. to cut 10 minutes out of your movie. That's absurd. Yeah. Um, but again, I think thinking of always remembering as you're going through it, what is the intent of my scene, both in plot and in character? And then how do I preserve that in yeah. a great way? And something that I find really helpful here, if it's helpful to you, is that I stop thinking of the entire script that I have to trim because that becomes very overwhelming. Like I said, I go scene by scene and you take each one and you play that as a mini movie in your head. And when you take just that scene 
What is the intent of the plot? What is the intent of the character? You find the simplest way to get there. And note, I didn't say quickest way to get there because, again, just cutting shit and making scenes faster doesn't do the trick. Pacing is a huge part of filmmaking, too. But the simplest way to get there, I think you will be on the right track. And that's it. That's that's my TED talk about cutting pages. That was beautiful. It's such a I love it, but I hate it. And it's terrible. And it's fun, but terrible. You know, as you were talking, I was like, damn, like, this is easy. Yeah, I can cut some pages for this one script I have. And then when you brought up the nuance, I was like, shoot. <laughs> that's oh, right. That's what's that's, hard. <laughs> that's, what's, that's what's holding me up. I, I will leave us yeah. with this. I am currently this script that's been in my life for far too long. The producer has always just encouraged me to just go more pages, more pages. And, and he was always like, we'll trim back. We'll trim back. And the script is one of the longer action films I've written. And How long? I, it's like 118 pages. Oh, that's not even bad. No, no, no. It's not. But for like this t- this world, for me, yeah. it gives me, like I see the page count. I'm like, because like I just picture <laughs> it going, getting sent to someone and they're like, 118 pages of what? <laughs> Pass. Uh, too long. Should have <laughs> trimmed. Anyway, that was great. That was freaking great. I love this topic. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sending it to us. We appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. You didn't tell us we could use your name, so I'm not going to. We respect um, people who message us. Yes, and we love you. Quote of the day. Quote of the day. I think we can all guess what this quote is going to be. When your story is ready for rewrite, cut it to the bone. Get rid of every ounce of excess fat. This is going to hurt. Revising a story down to the bare essentials is always a little like murdering children. But it must be done. Stephen King. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act 2 Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. I'm Joshua Hallman on Twitter. Josh Hallman on Instagram. And as always, the Act 2 Podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist. Mm-hmm.